listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. It's a new episode here on I Love Old Time Radio. Welcome, Old Time Radio fans. I'm your host, Virtual Vinny. You can interact with us via social media on our Facebook page at I Love Old Time Radio or on Twitter at I Love OT Radio. You can send feedback via the contact form on our website at I Love Old Time Radio.com or you can leave a voice message using the anchor.fm app. If you enjoyed this program, please take the time to rate and review us at review.iloveoldtimeradio.com. Ah, uh, uh, don't touch that dial. There's excitement galore coming up in the next hour when you'll hear Miss Hellfinger say... Are you leaving? Oh, uh, yes, I am. Well, don't use the... During another exciting episode of Chicken Man... He's everywhere! He's everywhere! The most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known. I Love Old Time Radio produces a new show every Monday through Friday, each day with a different theme. It's Thursday... And that means we open the door and enter the inner sanctum. We're missing only three episodes since last week. This one originally aired on June 10th, 1944, and it's called Death is a Joker, and it stars Peter Lorre. The Mystery Playhouse, a rebroadcast for the servicemen and women of the United Nations. Now come in, won't you? 
This is your host, Raymond, again, disturbing the peace. Did you ever, ever had the screaming memes? Did you ever get an attack of the yelling and wailing jitters? You walk in your sleep? You ever wake in the middle of the night shrieking at the top of your lungs? Oh, you do? Well, you must be an awfully hard person to live with. Well, friends, it's time for our story to begin. From this point on, forget everything pleasant. Get a finger ready to chew on, turn the lights down low, and listen to Peter Laurie tell you the blood-curdling tale, Death is a Joker. Come with me to the criminal courts building. A tense hush falls upon the spectators as Charles Luther takes the stand. Gentlemen of the jury, I'm accused of murder. I'm an actor, a comedian. Look at my face. Ugly, huh? Yes, so ugly that whoever looks at it laughs. I'm not telling you this to win sympathy for myself. I, I tell you this because it is important to your understanding. The strange events that brought me to this courtroom today to plead for my life. Shortly before midnight of November 28th, I went to the apartment of my friend Robert Langwell, the famous actor in Nightmare. Well, this is a surprise. Come in, come in. Thank you. Would you like a drink? No, don't bother. I don't want anything. No? Well, here, may I take your thing? Mm. Oh, excuse me. Hello. Oh, George. Yes, I have the money for you. You'll be up? When? 20 minutes? Yes. Goodbye. George Galvin. You know him, Charles? Yes. Rotten actor. But an excellent poker player. So I've heard. Mm. Robert. Robert, before leaving the theater tonight, someone told me that you and Julie Winthrop are going to be married. Is it true? Yes, we'll be married in two weeks, right after my wife gets a decree in Reno. You must not marry Julie. Not marry Julie? Well, who are you to tell me what I can do? I know Julie well, and I, I also know you. That's why you must not marry her. Charles, it might be better for you to mind your own business. Julie and I are in love with each other. No, you are not. She's fascinated by your good looks. She, she's impressed by your fame, but she, she does not love you. Now, look here. We may be old friends, but I've stood all I'm going to. I... Oh, wait a moment. I get it now. You're in love with her yourself. I? I'm in love with Julie? No, we, we are just friends. Friends? <laughs> You're madly in love with her. That's why you came here tonight, isn't it? No. <laughs> Friend. Stop, you're laughing. You, in love with a girl like Julie. Why should my love make you laugh? Oh, so you admit it, huh? All right, I do. Why is it so funny? Do you think she'd have you? You, a, a clown, ugly, clumsy. <laughs> you, in love with Julie. And why not? Why not? You! Stop your laughing. Stop it. Can I? Look at yourself. Charles, let go of me. No. You're choking. Let go. A joke, huh? Charles. A joke. Laugh. 
Nothing? Of course not, darling. How lucky we are we found out in time. In time? <laughs> in time? Oh, merciful heavens. What a joke. <laughs> what a joke. Charles, what's wrong? Oh, what? oh, There's tears raining down your face. Charles, you're hysterical. Now stop it. Oh, <laughs> stop it. Julia. Something you must know. Yes, sir. Tonight I committed a murder. Murder? What are you talking about? I killed Robert. Killed Robert? Oh, out of your mind. You don't know what you're saying. But is it true? I went to his apartment and we quarreled and I killed him. Oh, no. You told me a moment ago that you loved me. Do you still love me? Yes, Charles. And, and tell me what to do, Julie. Help me. I, I, I can't think. I, I don't know where to turn, but... What can I do, Julie? What can I do? Oh, pull yourself together, Charles. This may not be as hopeless as you think. Why? Was Robert alone in the apartment when you called? Were you seen entering or leaving? No. Are you sure? Yes, his apartment is on the second floor. I, I walked up and down. What time did you get there? Shortly before midnight. And what did you do before that? Went to a movie. Movie? How long did you stay there? Oh, only about 20 minutes. Do you have the ticket stop? Huh? Yes, here it is. Charles, do you realize what this means? They, they may never find out about you. That's right. They won't suspect you since they can't know your motive. No one saw you enter or leave, and you have an excellent alibi. Motive? Alibi, Julie? Do you realize what we are doing? We are talking of this as, as if we planned this crime as, as though we were criminals. But I committed a crime, yes, but I'm no criminal. I, I didn't mean to do it. I know, darling, I know. You must think of your own life now. Oh, and mine. Yeah. Yes, Julia. Oh, I see what you mean. I'm not a criminal, but I'm afraid of all of a criminal now. A subtler, clever criminal who is cunning enough to escape punishment. Can I do it? Can I do it, Julie? Charles, listen to me. We must find out how much the police know. If it's hopeless and they have found out about you, then it would be best to give yourself up. But let's not make any decisions until we know. But how can we know? Did Robert expect anyone tonight? Yes, George Galvin phoned while I was there. He said he'd be up in about 20 minutes. Then the body must have been discovered by now. Yes, I'm, I'm sure the police must be there by this time. I think that I'll go to Robert's apartment. No, Julie, no, no. I, I don't want you to become involved. I'm already involved. Went for me, this horrible thing would never have happened. The least I can do is to help you now. But Julie. Promise, promise me you'll not leave this apartment, Charles. All right. But... I won't be long. Julie. Yes. If something happens, if, if something goes wrong and is separated before you return, I, I want you to know that I don't know what to say, Julie. You don't have to say it, darling. I know what you mean. Goodbye. Goodbye. A criminal. I have to think like one. To act like one. Have to be one. 
What question would be asked? Where were you at 12 o'clock that night of November 28th? Um, uh, I was in a movie. I was, he is the stump. Just a second. Just a second. 
Charles. Darling. Darling, there's nothing more to worry about. Everything's all right now. We can be married and go on living and never fear anything. What makes you see that? Darling, you didn't commit a crime at all. What do you mean? Robert's alive. Alive? Yes, he's downstairs now paying the taxi. Robert? Alive? Yes. I spoke to him about the marriage, and he was wonderful about the whole thing. Darling, aren't you happy? Our worries are all over. You can smile and be gay. That must be Robert now. Hello, Charles. Uh, I thought you were... Well, I'm not. Oh, but, but how did you... You see, I fainted. George Galvin came in and brought me to. George Galvin. Did you tell George Galvin what happened? Yes, I did. Look here, Charles. As I told Julie... I'm willing to forget the whole thing, if you are. Forget? Forget? Yes. It might have ended tragically, you know, but... Thinking it over, I realize I'm as much to blame as you are. So if you're willing to shake hands... Shake hands? There now, darling. There's nothing more to worry about. I feel so happy I could... Charles, what's the matter with you? It's... It's nothing... <laughs> it's nothing. It's, it's nothing. <laughs> Gentlemen of the jury, I became a criminal. Because I thought I had committed a crime and I had to think like a criminal. <laughs> My motives were those of all men. I wanted happiness and wanted marriage to the woman I loved. What would you have done in my place? Very excited. Valerie, don't you realize I'm going to see again? 
she doesn't sound excited because I don't want you to be excited, Mr. Dent. You've got to relax. Try to sleep. Sleep? With this ungodly pain? My eyes feel as though they were on fire. That will stop as soon as the opiate I gave you takes hold. You'll be comfortable, I'm sure. Now, good night. You're going now, Doctor? Yes, I'll... I'll look in on... on your husband in the morning. Stephen. Yes, Valerie? Do you mind if I step out into the corridor for a moment? But you... you promise not to leave me. I... I'm afraid, Valerie. Everything's so dark, I... The nurse will be here, dear, if you want anything. I just want to ask Dr. Wade some questions. Questions? But he's already told us... Yes, Stephen, I know. But I'd like to find out about the treatment and how I'm to take care of you when we get you home, you know. Just little things. All right. But, but hurry back. I, I want you near me. I will, dear. So good night, Mr. Denton. Good night, Doctor. And thank you. You're quite welcome. After you, Mrs. Denton. Thank you. I suggest we step into the consultation room across the hall. We'll have more privacy. All right. Here we are. Thank you. Well, it's been a long time, Valerie. Yes, Paul, it has. Almost ten years, isn't it? About that. Strange that you should have called me, of all people, to treat your husband's eyes. Oh, I, I was panicky, Paul. I didn't know what to do. It all happened so suddenly. Stephen was working in his laboratory at the house when suddenly I heard a violent explosion. I ran in and found him clutching his eyes and screaming, I'm blind. First thing I thought of was an ambulance. Then you... Why didn't you think of me ten years ago? It's not fair, Paul. Was it fair to turn your back on me and then to marry a man almost twice your age? Paul, please, why bring up ancient history? It isn't ancient history to me. I've never forgotten you. Paul, about Stephen's eyes. What about them? I have a feeling that you weren't telling him the truth. You're right. Oh, you mean he's not going to regain his sight? He's going to be blind? You don't expect me to be to be terribly concerned, do you, Valerie? After all, he did take you away from me. Don't be vindictive, Paul. It wasn't Stephen's fault. He didn't even know of your existence. And you never told him that we were on the point of being married? No, never. <laughs> it's rather ironic that we should meet again at the bedside of my rival, your husband, a man who may forever walk in darkness. Don't say that, Paul. But unfortunately true. A moment ago, you told me not to be vindictive. I'm not, really. But if I were, I could have my fill of vengeance if I told him about us. And then told him that he'll be blind forever. You wouldn't, Paul. Or I might take another form of revenge. I could tell you that an operation is called for. A very delicate operation. Are you trying to say that there might be a chance? Yes. But supposing I refuse to perform the operation? Paul, you're joking. You can't mean that. Perhaps not. But you call me vindictive. Suppose I operate 
my scalpel slips. What if he dies? That would be murder. You're not a murderer, Paul. You wouldn't risk your professional reputation. Why must you torment me this way? You really love him, don't you? Yes, I do. Then forget the things that I've been saying. I want you to think of me as a friend. I want you to trust me. I do trust you, Paul. Thank you. Now as to the possibility of surgery. Here is the situation. The transparent film over your husband's eyes, the corneas, were burned and torn with the explosion. They've been so damaged that blindness will result, even though the eyes heal. But you think an operation would cure that? Possibly, although it's a very delicate job. The injured cornea must be peeled away and replaced by a fresh, healthy one. Where can you get healthy corneas? From the eyes of the dead. Oh. It isn't quite as horrible as it sounds, Valerie. You know, dying peace, people often will their eyes for just this purpose. We maintain what we call a corneal bank. It's much the same as a blood bank, only that this is different. Corneal tissue can't be stored more than 48 hours. It must be fresh, or it's no good. You have some available in the bank? No, that's the trouble. I'm afraid we haven't. But there's got to be some, Paul. I don't know where, Valerie. Unless... Unless what? I was just thinking. Last night, one of the interns asked me to look at a charity case that puzzled him. The patient is a Hindu or a Persian named Chandra. He lives in a dirty little shack near the waterfront. Yes, Paul? I stopped by and examined him. I found an incurable condition. There's no way to save him. He won't live more than a day or two, but his eyes are healthy. You mean, you think he might... I don't know. You'd have to have his consent, of course. Take me to him, Paul. I'm sure I can make him understand. Oh, it may not be so easy, Valerie. He's a strange person. A mystic and a spiritualist. Let me try. Just take me to him. All right. We can go there now. Doesn't the doctor sound familiar to you? Huh? That's right. It's Boris Karloff, up to his old tricks. I think it might amuse you to be on hand for our next performance, when we present Mr. Karloff and Creeps by Night. This is Peter Lorre closing the doors of the Mystery Playhouse. Good night. Sleep tight.
another exciting episode in the life of the most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known. In our last very exciting episode, the wonderful white-winged warriors search for the Hummer that crown prince of wordless silly melodies was thwarted in his chicken cave dressing room. Boy, if you don't think this is embarrassing, Mother. Now, Benton, it could happen to anyone. Superman doesn't have a zipper on the back of his suit. Please don't jiggle. All he has to do is take his regular clothes off. Benton, hold still. His mother lets him wear his crime-fighting suit under his regular clothes. Just a clothes. few more seconds and I... Why can't I wear my chicken suit under my regular No, clothes? Benton. Almost all the other big crime fighters do. It's not healthy. Yeah, I'll bet their mothers never say that. Well, maybe their mothers just don't care. Yeah. I do. It's not like sleeping in your underwear, you know. I think I'll just have to try and force it. I mean, I was really embarrassed at the crime fighters convention last year. It's just impossible to budge. I had a room with that silly kid who goes around saying Shazam all the time. Perhaps if I use some chicken fat. Boy, did he laugh when I asked him to help me with a zipper on the no, back of my suit. No, I don't want to waste the chicken fat. I told everybody in the whole convention about it. We'll just take a chance with forcing everybody it. Everybody was walking around laughing at me. Here we go. You're not even listening to me, Mother. Remember, Benton, sticks and stones. Yeah, well, you were never called the... The zipper kid. Well, that does it. Oh, dear. That does it. I'm sorry. Call the commissioner. Tell him I'm not going. Benton, I wonder, could you... No, I'm not going as a plucked chicken. Well, suppose we look for your old Halloween costume. What costume is that? I think it was a bunny rabbit. No, Mother. It's a very nice... Call the commissioner, Mother. Oh, what if I could fasten it with a great... I'm not going with a safety pin. We can hide it on your feathers. Call the commissioner, Mother. Wait. No, call now. Uncle Bernie's old uniform. What does that look like? It'll be just the thing. And not too much later, somewhere on the streets of Midland City. Uh, pardon me. Uh, yeah? Have you noticed anyone humming around here? Uh, you mean, uh, <laughs> uh, like that? Uh, yes. No. Hey. Yes. Ain't you one of Roosevelt's Rough Riders? Wow. If the fantastic feathered fowl only needs a new improved zipper, could he not just wear Uncle Bernie's uniform into the Midtown Department store, walk up to the zipper department and order one, saying, Chart? Be listening tomorrow for another exciting episode in the life of the most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known. Hi, this is Sarah Spencer of Self Talk Radio Show, and you're listening to I Love Old Time Radio. Welcome back. Poor guy. Find out he's going to get the girl. Didn't actually kill his friend after all. All after he really commits the crime of murder. That's why you should never react to situations while you're emotional. And that's going to conclude our show here on I Love Old Time Radio. This program can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and on our host, Anchor.fm. You can listen to us on your Alexa device through TuneIn or iHeartRadio. For a full list, visit our website at iloveoldtimeradio.com and to find the best location that suits you. Like us on Facebook at I Love Old Time Radio. Follow us on Twitter at I Love OT Radio. Comments and questions can be directed to our website at I Love Old Time Radio.com or leave a voice message using the Anchor.fm app. 
If you'd like to help support this show, you can do so at support.iloveoldtimeradio.com or by joining our Vintage Radio Club and get an extra episode a week. Tomorrow we end the week with Groucho Marx and You Bet Your Life, and join us next Thursday for a new episode of Inner Sanctum Mystery. For iloveoldtimeradio.com, this is Virtual Vinny, signing off.